Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Sportsish with Elisa Hernandez. I've been looking forward to this episode because we have a great guest, and I am pleased to welcome a member of the Leo gang, Mr. Toe Drag Swag himself and two-time Emmy winner, Nate Burleson. Nate, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. Of course, I appreciate that intro. Uh, thank you so much. And yes, this is Leo gang, represent Leo season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of Leos in my house, actually. My dad's actually in my house. Me and my mom are the only non-Leos. Really? I'm, sur- I'm surrounded by lions all day. And, and what's your sign? I'm a Libra. Okay. All right. Yeah, I got a couple <laughs> Libras in my family. I like Libras. We, we balance things out. Okay. That's we keep fact. the peace in the lion's den. Okay? That's a fact. Because <laughs> Leos, we could be a bit much at times. I know that for sure. <laughs> well, my friends joke that I have a lot of jobs, but you're very busy. Now, before we get into everything you're doing now, I have to take you back, back mm-hmm. to time. Sound okay. good? All yeah, right. let's do it. Let's do it. So Nate is no stranger to this podcast <laughs> game because for my listeners out there, before Nate was out there big timing as a host, him and I worked together in Los Angeles a few years back. I worked behind the scenes and he was behind the mic of the R&B podcast. That's right. With co-host Mike Robinson. You remember that? Yeah, of course. You know, dating it all the way back to my first uh, really introduction to the media world was at the NFL Network. And then I remember you, and then you branched off and you just started taking job after job after job. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's good to see people that you've worked with in the past continue to evolve over the course of their career. So um, just watching you from a distance, you've been kicking butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, you the one that's been used to freestyle a lot on the show <laughs> with Bow Wow, Vivica Fox, that's a and fact, even yeah. dropped some bars to Juvenile. Not yeah. on the R&B podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Yeah, I, I, I moonlight as a rapper. I still write occasionally. You know, it's, it's more therapy than it is anything else. Hmm. Uh, but it's it's one of those ways that I can kind of get my creative juices going. Are there any ones that you look back and you're, I mean, because you know the internet's forever and most yeah. of these can be found on YouTube. So no doubt. No <laughs> do you doubt. ever look back and you're like, mm, I don't like that? <laughs> um, you know, that's why I was always very cautious about when I chose to freestyle and mm. about what I freestyle. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's easy for me to rap and I could say a thousand curse words and make them rhyme and talk about something that is True. inappropriate, but then if I do something like that, whether it's dope or not in the moment or the hip hop hardcore heads love it, if it's on the internet and I'm rapping about women and cars and jewelry and strip clubs, then, you know, it, it's 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 kind of like anything else that that's left out there for people to kind of interpret. So, um, no, nah, I don't I don't really look back and, and cringe <laughs> because most of my freestyles. They're like, they're decent content. And, and when like, I'm actually, I'm nice, at least. Yeah, I'm nice. <laughs> but even like when I'm spitting something, if I'm spitting something I'm writing, then usually it's, I think people see that as more as poetry than me trying to be a rapper. You know what I'm saying? That's true. So why does music play such a big part in your life? I feel like somehow you always come back to it regardless of what yeah. job you're at. You always tie it back in to what you're doing. Yeah, I was, uh, I was raised in a household where um, discovering music was a big part of my childhood. And, you know, I remember cassette tapes and then CDs and then going and listening to my grandfather's records. Um, and I, I've, I've been through 
like different eras of music and fell in love with all of them. You know, I'm a West Coast guy, so we have everything from like jazz, grunge, hip hop, R&B, of course, you know, hardcore rock and roll. Um, we have classical music. So, you know, understanding that music is a big part of who I was when I became a TV personality, I didn't want to um, leave that behind. And, and to be honest, like the more I elevate as a quote unquote media personality, mm -hmm. the more I incorporate who I really was before I played football. So um, yeah, it's, it, it's fun though, because the networks I work with now, uh, they allow me to be creative. Now they didn't, they didn't initially, when I signed with NFL Network, I, I had dreams of like, doing my own show and rapping and, and doing poetry and, and even doing skits and some acting. And they were just like, chill out, chill out, man. Like you just got here. Like you, you're not a hall of famer. You don't have a Super Bowl <laughs> ring. Like that's Ouch. not your lane. Yeah, man, they kept it real, but it was, it was honesty that I needed to hear. They were basically mm -hmm. like, in order for you to call shots, you got to be in a boss position. So what I did is I was like, caller. you got to be a shot caller. <laughs> exactly. So what I did, I was like, all right, give me give me a handful of years and then mm -hmm. I'm going to be calling the shots around here. So uh, <laughs> years later, you know, I was able to go to these producers and and really produce up segments that were all based around the things that I like, like music and animation, and short stories, long form stories, narrating documentaries. All of these things I thought I couldn't do when I first left the game. So from receiver to quarterback is basically what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> that's a that's a fact. Yeah, that's a fact. Right. Yeah. So yeah. how has freestyling helped you as a host and to be on TV? Because I feel like they kind of go hand in hand because you need to be off the top of the dome with the hot takes. No doubt. It, it's it's synonymous. Um, you know, the way I look at freestyling off the top of the head and having some content um, versus, you know, answering a question in real time and then reacting to what somebody else is saying. Um, you know, you separate yourself as a TV personality when you can not only script something, ask a question, but then in the real time, listen to what somebody's saying and just take a hard left turn and then pick up wherever you want. And, and that's one thing that I, I feel like I, I do well is I listen. You know, I, I'm not quick to ask, ask my next question. I'm not quick to rush through an interview. I'm not quick to rush through a segment. I want to react to what's happening in real time, whether it's somebody saying something crazy, whether you find a spur of the moment debate um, or it's just something funny that happens. I think when people are at home, whether they're watching it visually or listening to it in an audio form, um, when they hear somebody being like locked into the moment, it makes things a little bit more real, a little bit more tangible. Um, and they just feel like they're flies on the wall or they're sitting on the couch with you. So, yeah, freestyling, growing up freestyling, loving like battle rap music. All of that kind of works its way into how I deliver what I deliver on TV. So fun fact, I used to actually be into the battle rap. Like I used to watch battle raps. Like, oh, word. I was in college, yeah. I used to watch like Sue Surf. I used yeah. To, you know, the, the, Sue Ur Surf. Yes, the URL. Yes, the URL. I, I know, yeah, of course. I, listen, I know all the dudes, man. Not all of them, but I know most of them. No suit surf. I know him. he's a Jersey mm -hmm. guy, living yeah, in Jersey. Talico's a Detroit dude. K Shine, DMA, mm -hmm. Charlie Clips, like Hitman Holla. Like I'm a big, I'm a big battle rap fan. You know what? Charlie Clips really got. I feel like he had that one video, and then he didn't have to do anything for a long That's a time. That's a fact. You know, he, he like he went viral, like in the yes. battle rap 
world before mm-hmm. like going viral and battle rap was popular. Mm-hmm. See, Hall of the Dawn used to be my guy because yeah, he, yeah. he, he said a line one time and, I, and this is like so corny now, but I remember I was watching he was like, I'll kill you in the air. That's a high death. And I was like, oh! oh. He's like, like, oh, snap! It's, it's, it's <laughs> over. Now, Hollow the Dinan and Non, Hollow is nice, man. I, exactly. I'm, I'm heavy in the culture. Like, there's a couple <laughs> of the, the media bloggers that uh, do the battle rap scene mm-hmm. and all that. They always like, yo, Nate, we got to do an interview. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it, I love it because, like, it's, it's a really raw form of artistry. You know, like, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff you, you see um, on TV or music you hear on the radio, these are like orchestrated songs that are really like, basic by nature and yeah. I'm not taking a shot at mumble rap that has its own lane but like for an artist a battle rap artist to craft three rounds mm-hmm. um, against their opponent mm-hmm. and not stumble or fumble their words while performing mm-hmm. in front of a crowd like <laughs> I just think I think it's a dope form of entertainment oh they're and they're ruthless out there I mean uh, you know you uh, know Tay Rock be going hard when he uh, be rapping come on man Tay Rock go crazy <laughs> he's disrespectful crazy. Arsenal go crazy there's a lot of dudes it's like yeah. super duper disrespectful and then now like you have this influx of like backpackers and Christian rappers mm-hmm. so it's it's well rounded and it's balanced, man. Shout out, <laughs> shout out to all the dudes. I know A Ward and Saga, Ill Will. Like, there's a lot of dudes that uh, I definitely follow. I know. So you smack. <laughs> <laughs> that was that used I used to watch that for hours. I'm not even gonna yeah. lie to you. I, I know it's just like it's one of those things that I had to learn to love because at first. When I was introduced to it, I was just like, what is this? Why am yeah. I spending time listening to this? But again, you take a look at the artistry yeah. that they're putting out on the floor. And this That's is that. this is pre-COVID. So there's literally people right. breathing down your neck. That's like, that. and they'll let you know instant if a bar don't hit. You yeah, know, and then it, and sometimes that throws people off. Has there ever been a situation for you where you thought like a, a take was gonna just make everyone like, whoa, and then they just kind of didn't react yeah yeah like there's yeah there's plenty of moments like that but see (laughs) this is what i learned though and you know Mm -hmm. battle rap there's a lot of things that you could parallel to being on tv Mm -hmm. like when a battle rapper hits a punchline and he's like and nobody responds (laughs) you know it's one of two things they do they they either like overemphasize it they'd be like Mm -hmm. what what? Yeah. Huh? That was nasty. Don't huh? hurt me. Yeah. And then everybody's like, nah, fam, move along. Or they're like, you want me to run it back? You want me to run it back? And they're like, nah, don't run it back. But then, like, if they say a punchline that don't work, mm-hmm. it, and, and if they're if they're a vet in the scene, like you can just roll through it. Like you act like yeah. you can act like that wasn't your biggest punchline, and you just keep rapping. So, like, mm-hmm. if I got a take, if I got something scripted, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, Yo, uh, uh, Josh Allen is going to be the next up. And, he, you know, you're going to see more bills on the floor than the uh, bachelor party. You know, if I say that and I think, like, that's really going to rock the room on my show. Yeah. Um, and they don't. I got to be ready for the next punchline. Mm-hmm. What, what what other statement do I have that can be declarative and uh, have as have as much of an impact? So, yeah, man, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a hip hop head. So I'm a, I am I. I fell in love with poetry when I was in middle school. I've been writing ever since. So a lot of my cadence and delivery on TV is based around my love for music. So that love, you transfer it. I mean, the R&B podcast name, obviously, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. My God, <laughs> that, my that, crowd, man. Exactly. I missed that podcast. That podcast was fun. TD was the yeah. producer on that. Shout out to TD. You know, we had we that that podcast was probably one of my favorites on NFL Network. Now, that podcast covered football, music, and pop culture, and I feel like that's a trend that you really took with you everywhere yeah. you went. You know, you yeah. wanted to make sure you kept your hands in everything. But what growth did you take from that R and B podcast? <sighs> um. You know, those podcasts were fun because we were fans while we were doing our job. So whether it was Bow Wow, Ryan Coogler, Vivica Fox, um, you know, we were able to, like, um, get lost in the moment. Oftentimes when you're doing TV, um, especially in a format that is the traditional setting, like you're, you're in and out. It's like you introduce a guest, you interview the guest and the guest is out and you got to get ready for the next segment. Boom, 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 boom. But being on Good Morning Football, it's a three-hour show. So when we do have a guest, whether it's a football player or some celebrity or artist, um, I get to be a fan for however long they're on. And I took that from uh, the R&B podcast, you know, because sometimes we were able to let it breathe. We didn't really have commercial breaks that we had to get to or a producer yelling in our ear. We just had certain, st- certain stuff we wanted to talk about. And then after that, um, you can you can truly just, you know, kind of fanboy out. and And that's... I took that along with um, along with me to Good Morning Football. And then when I started doing extra, you know, I can do it there as well because it's all celebrities. So some celebrities had no idea who I was. They're just like, oh, this, this is a very athletic looking entertainment reporter. Like, <laughs> where did he come from? Um, and then there's other celebrities that are like, yo, Nate, what's up? Mm-hmm. And they've been watching me for years. And I, I'd reciprocate the same energy like, yo, what's up, baby? Oh, man. Yeah. So. Um, I think there's something very genuine about that, because if if I'm working with you, whether you're my co-host or I'm interviewing you, um, even if you're behind the scenes working as a producer, stagehand, whatever it is, if I am enjoying the moment and it doesn't seem like I'm at work, it's going to make you feel better about being on the scene. So um, the moment I I can't muster up that energy or. Um, I can't create that false enthusiasm. Those are the <laughs> moments where I'm like, all right, am I am I bored of this? Am, mm. is, is it time for me to move on? Because I'm a I'm a Leo through and through, which means I love the stage. I will never shy away from it. But I also love change. And I like to dominate different spaces. So, um, you know, I want to conquer different jungles and go to different Serengetis. And, and I want to I want to be able to to like to to put my foot down in one place in space and time kill it there and then take that same energy somewhere else. So if I, if I can't smile on a daily basis or I'm not having fun or I feel like work is too much work, then that's when I reassess everything. And, and I, I think about uh, a climate change or a job change. Well, you must have had a really good mindset when you spent 11 years in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, had a, <laughs> you had a lot See, of success there. Though. That was different. The NFL was different <laughs> just because it was like you're a rock star. Like, yeah. Okay. The NFL is is consistent in the sense mm-hmm. that it's it is football, but mm-hmm. um, you're living a rock star lifestyle. That means yeah. uh, the the poetic chaos of uh, the NFL is both um, painful, but it's also beautiful. So mm-hmm. the the change that would happen is literally every single play is different. No matter how you scripted it, no matter how you wrote it, no matter how you drew it up, um, it's it's poetic chaos. So I love that part of the game. Um, and then outside the game. You know, each year presented its own joys and its own challenges. Uh, so I, I loved the, the variety, even when I was injured. Like I had my moments where I was down and I was in a, in a deep funk. You can call it a depression. 
Uh, but then bouncing back from an injury, like you don't oftentimes get that. And if I just lived a regular life and I, and I worked in a, some type of cubicle downtown, I'm not going to be able to recover from an ACL, broken ribs, two separated shoulders, broken nose, broken finger, broken ankles, ACL, MCL, PCL, like all these things I was able to like bounce back from and then go score touchdowns afterwards. So um, that's that's the beauty and the pain of the NFL, which is why I never got bored. Only towards the end <laughs> in year 11 was when um, my body really started to fall apart. And I realized yeah. I couldn't bounce back from these injuries as fast. And mm-hmm. I had a choice to make. I either can stick around and be that old dude collecting a check. And I think majority of the people on the team realize like he's either here because the coach loves him or he's just trying to skate through. Or I can like figure out what my next chapter would be. And that's when, when I started thinking about that every day. Mm. I was going to practice in Cleveland. And every day I was thinking about like my next job. And I was like, yeah, it's time for me to go. Let me let me go ahead and get out the way because there's a younger generation of wide receivers that are hungry and deserving. I think that's one of the things that you really do focus on when you get to a point where you're almost mad that you got to go. You know, it's like, oh, I got to go to practice, but I really want to you know, focus on X, Y and Z. And you start thinking, why, why do I feel this? Why I used to love this. And now it's changing right in front of me. And you said yeah. something on another podcast where you said. I knew that it was time to step back because there was a younger guy under me that was going to wanted this spot and I could take it, but do I want to take it? And I respected that so much of you because there are people out here that want a chance to bite the apple, you know, and you're a fool and you're kind of sitting there thinking if you want to, if if you want to keep eating that. So for you, how important is it for you to kind of motivate that next generation up as you continue on in your career? I, I just feel like you have to pass it forward. Uh, you know, when I first got in the league, there was a guy by the name of Marcus Robinson, who was uh, basically the starting receiver opposite of Randy Moss. And um, when I was in Minnesota, you know, I, I kind of grown into my own my second year. And it was basically me or him. And I ended up winning that position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I thought that he would be upset or it, there'd be this strain in our relationship. He didn't treat me any differently. He actually showed me more love. And he basically was like, look, there's enough food on the table for everybody to eat. And I never forgot that because he could have been an asshole. He could have been like, <laughs> you know what, Nate, like, you know, uh, I'm not going to teach you anything. I'm not going to yeah. give you any of the gyms. Yeah. Nah, like he was kicking it with me, hung out with me, came by the crib and, and I spent time with his family, spent time with mine and we're still cool to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got older, I, I made sure I did that exact same thing. Guys come in, they're drafted second round, third round. I know exactly what they're here for. I was drafted in the third round. And I would tell these dudes straight up, like, look, if if you do everything that I tell you, plus your own God-given ability, um, I shouldn't be here next year. You should be starting and you should be signing a big deal. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm already on my third deal. Um, and this was in Detroit, you know, where there were a lot of younger guys they kept bringing in. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember one of the receivers, he was like, hey, yo, like, he's like, what's up? Because I don't, I don't understand you. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I feel like you're like, you're like setting me up for failure or something. Like, nobody could be this nice. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm it like, is nah, a cutthroat industry. It it's is. It's a cutthroat. Yeah. And listen, a lot of guys aren't like this. Let me just keep it yeah. a buck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and if you're not, it's, it's not a bad thing. Certain guys right. are like. I, I haven't made the money yet, so I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to help anybody else. Or yeah. other guys are like, I'm going to be as greedy and selfish as I can until the day that I can't play anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to approach it. I just right. chose the good karma way, which is 
give these young wide receivers everything they need, all of these jewels. And I, and I even told him, I said, look, I'm not setting you up for failure. Like everything I say, I'm being honest and I'm being um, real with you about helping you achieve that next that next step. And, um, and he's like, I, I just thought this whole time you were setting me up for failure. And uh, he realized that I was I was I was a man of my word. So what happened was, you know, I ended up keeping my starting position that year. So mm -hmm. it, it's it's twofold. What I learned in doing that one, you just feel better when you help somebody that um, wants to get to where you're going. You know, True. it's it's just that 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 energy that, you know, once you pass it forward, he's going to do it the same for somebody else was which is the ultimate plan. But then the most yeah. important thing, which is and I learned this over time, is if I give a younger dude who's more athletic, who is brought here to take my position, uh, who is cheaper to keep on the roster. If I give him everything, everything that I know about the game and I still beat him out, it gives me <laughs> the most confidence. It's like a natural steroid yeah. because I, I did it the right way. I, I, yeah. I helped this dude out and I still went out there and proved that I, I still can hold it down at the wide receiver position. So like, I would walk on the field after a summer of work, workouts thinking to myself, these young dudes are not only fast and they're young and they're, they're, they're cheaper to keep. Like I gave them all of my cheat codes. And, and they I still, still can't beat be me. <laughs> yeah. So I still got it. So I still yeah. got the juice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's, that's why. lying I, in you. That's, that's the that lying is. in that's you. That's a fact. That's a fact. You know what I mean? I, I, got, I got a lot of pride. I got a lot of pride. <laughs> well, you definitely should add a motivational speaker into your repertoire. Of <laughs> Thank you. Talents that. that you guys have. <laughs> and before we move on to the rest of your career, I do have to circle back because you uh -huh. talked about music and how you grew up with. So I have to ask, what are your current top five rappers? Because I actually want, I actually want to know that. We went, we went into the URL thing, and this is yeah. what they said. This is why they say, kids, you have to, you know, you can, you can have a plan, but you have to be ready for the unexpected. Because yeah. the last thing I thought was that me and A were going to connect off the URL. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. So you never know. Um, okay, so I'm uh, Jay Z. And I know he hasn't dropped anything in a while, but he's just forever timeless. Like he's always said, um, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Drake because Drake, he just can't miss. I don't care what anybody say. I don't care if you think it's a collective. I don't care if you think he got a ghostwriter. Drake can't miss. Um, yeah. I love Rick Ross. He just he make that music that just make you want to just level up and boss up in your life. You know what I'm saying? Back music. That's it. That's it. Just, when you listen to Rick, you be like. Damn, like I, I gotta, I gotta do more. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. He's talking about wing stops, and he got his own liquor, and you know he's discovering That's islands and Greece. Like I need to level up, think bigger, because this dude was a correctional mm -hmm. officer and thought to himself, "I want to be the hottest rapper in the game," and he did it. So you got to think he, bigger. Uh, he was a correctional officer and got clowned by Fifty Cent and still recovered from that. And still recovered. <laughs> and, and, hey, and there's a lot of dudes that don't recover from that type of beat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People yeah. still giving Ja Rule a hard time. Um, Okay, so <laughs> fuck with Ja Rule got say a time like this. <laughs> yes, that's a fact. And Ja has some cuts though. I'm waiting for Ja. I hope Ja and Fifty Cent do a versus. You know what I'm saying? Hey, speaking ooh, of verses, ooh. let me do a quick tangent. You There's need a, to host that one time for the for the culture. That's a fact. For, for the, the culture. culture. Hey, Dipset in the locks tonight. That's about to be fire. But anyways, um, I'll get back to my list. Okay, I'll say J Cole. Um, okay. to close it out because my man went platinum with no features. He said he's gonna do it. Mm -hmm. He did it. That's right. Um, and then lastly, I'll give you a young dude that mm -hmm. my son kind of put me on, uh, okay. but I love this dude's uh, lyrical ability, the way he puts his words together and his honesty. Like he's not trying to be something he's not, uh, which is uh, 
Uh, Corday. Uh, Naomi Osaka's uh, oh, boyfriend. Was yeah, it y- yeah. YMB Corday? YBN Corday? Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the letters. But he got the little <laughs> twist, the little dreads or whatever, yeah, light skin yeah. cat. Now he can rap rap. Like one day I was giving my, my son a hard time and he was like, nah, dad, not everybody in our generation is mumble rappers. <laughs> so he played some new Uzi and I was like, okay, Uzi can rap. He's like, I told you. He played some uh, Pop you. Smoke, rest in peace, Pop Smoke. Yes. And I was like, oh, Pop Smoke can rap. Mm-hmm. He played some Polo G. He played King Von, who was a great storyteller, yes. rest in peace, King Von. And yes. then he played Corday. And I was like, oh, so y'all He's got some one. rappers in this generation. <laughs> so yeah, so this younger generation, like, you know, as much as they try to give them a hard time, there's some talented dudes in the in the crowd. You know, but speaking of verses, I feel like that's the beauty of verses because it's bringing back our legends in a way a to this young crowd. And they're just like, oh, y'all just didn't. No, we didn't just listen to no kids. But that's y'all stuff. Like yeah, we had that real, real That talk. real hip hop. Like that stuff that just make you sit and be like, oh, what did he say? <laughs> what did she say? You know what I'm saying? Like. There's this, you know, the, the early 2000s, 90s yeah. music to me, like that's that's some of the best music there was. Exactly. So what would have been your rap name had you, you know, not been so successful in the NFL? New Balance. Oh, New you Balance. Had that not, not, not because of the shoes. It was, it's more because of like in my head, I thought I was like, I, I legitimately thought I was going to be a rapper growing up. You know what I'm saying? I was just mm-hmm. I, I used to draw and paint. And I used to write poetry. So originally I was going to be an artist and I thought I was going to be this famous uh, painter. And then um, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to poetry because I fell in love with poetry. And then I fell in love with hip hop. And I was like, you know, I'm going to just do it all when I get older. Um, <laughs> and now it's funny, like I'm, as a 40 year old, I'm doing most of it. But I, I, I told myself it's the same initials, NB, but also I was going to bring a new balance to the game. So that's my rap name, New Balance. I got, I got some tracks, some old tracks with me, like actually rapping under the alias. I did a track with Macklemore when he was like before he popped big because we're both oh, from wow. Seattle. Like, yeah, I got, I, I got some stuff out there and I'm, I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop an album in uh, 2022. Just what? like five or six songs. Yeah. Okay. I got some producers sending me some beats. I've been writing for about six months. So I'm going to get in the studio, put some stuff down, get my features locked in with some of the guys that I rock with over the years. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll, you'll be hearing from your boy. Oh. The first, first time ever dropping an album. Okay. Well, I'm excited to, to see that. I'm excited to see the name of this album. Oh, yeah, I'm still you, thinking you, about you, that. You still thinking about that? I'm still thinking about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I, I, I want the name to correlate with the amount of songs. And right now, yeah. I'm at around five or six. Okay. So. We'll see. How, I might. How, I could end up with like nine because I, I have some stuff <laughs> that I've recorded a long time yeah. ago um, over the last two years. Okay. And like I could actually actually I can actually turn those songs into full songs. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I don't I don't want to. I don't know. I don't write garbage. So I feel like I'm going to put out everything. You know what I'm saying? I'm okay. nice with it. So I'm is nice that why it. is that why we didn't get a 2020 recap? You're saving all your bars for your album because you've been doing the freestyle yeah. to like 2019, 2017 recaps. Yeah. And is that why we didn't get a 2021? Because you're saving all yeah, your it's collective. Because, yeah, yeah, you know what? When you're creative and you work <laughs> underneath an umbrella like uh, the NFL Network or CBS yeah. or Extra, whatever it is, you mm-hmm. offer up your talents. And that's what you do when you sign a contract. Um, and like I, I, like I put my heart and soul into those raps. I'll be having some witty punchlines. You and, too. You know, too. It's like, you know, I, I feel like the stuff is really dope. But because like the images are protected and you can't really be talking about stuff within the NFL without the NFL, like jumping through <laughs> all the hurdles to like yeah. get it cleared. I always wanted my stuff to stream. I'm like, yeah. all right, I get you guys get the YouTube views and, and NFL gets the money off of the views and all. Mm-hmm. I, 
all I get is a high five and a hug. Like, Nate, that was dope. <laughs> like, I want streams. You know what I'm saying? I want I want people to be like, like yo. I want yeah. these royalties. Okay. Yeah, I want my like, whole Wingstop franchise. <laughs> and even more so than like the money, I just want people to be like, hey, yo, I'm streaming that Nate Burleson. Or, yeah. I'm streaming that recap. Not like yeah. I had to go to YouTube to play the recap. I want people to like have right. access to what I write, just like mm-hmm. poetry. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I, I stopped doing them and I focus more on individual projects. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And actually on Sportsish, it's so funny you say that because I actually feature some young cats music at the end of some of my podcasts oh. to, give, to give them love, you know? And normally oh. I, you know, I will say I sneak it into when I have guests because obviously yeah. when I have guests, that's when most eyes are going to be on them. So yeah. I've featured some three artists so far from LA, Taz on the okay. Beat. Uh, Nestle and K Brown official. And okay. for me, it's just like, I think music and sports just go hand in hand. That's you know, I, I just feel like it, they complement each other. It's a love affair from, from both sides. And so to see you kind of talk about your experiences and that, it's just, it's just so interesting to see you advocate for, for multiple things, but then know at the same time, like, okay, hold on. I'm, I'm giving too much of my talent for free. And now you go have to pay That's for this. Fact. That's a fact. I, j- I just, I just want to, I just want to have a part of like what I create, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like Drake said it, he said, uh, sports and music is so synonymous because we want to be them and they want to be us. Like mm-hmm. that was one of his hottest lines. And it's true. <laughs> like name a ball player that don't talk about music and name a musician that don't think he can hoop or play football <laughs> or was nice in high school. You know what I'm saying? Even Tory Lanez with his busted jump shot, think he can hoop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I, you Tory, know, I respect- Tory Lanez is as tall as me, okay? Yeah, Tory, he might be shorter, but Tory talented though. Tory, he, he is, talented. He is. He be tripping sometimes, but he, be t- he talented though. Yeah, 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 for sure. So you're a two-time Emmy winner. Congratulations again Thank on you, that. I appreciate that. What did that mean to you? I mean, I know that in the NFL, the dream is to you know win the Super Bowl again, the Hall of Fame. Yeah. When you go into the media world, you have all these accomplishments you can hit. You get these two Emmy nominations. One, did I mean you're a confident guy? You're a leader. Yeah. But one, yeah. did you really did you think like that I got this, or were you really surprised when your name was called on that? Um, you know, going back to you know the the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you mentioned it. I didn't win a Super Bowl. I didn't even get to a Super Bowl game. And that was one of my biggest regrets. Like year in and year out, um, the one moment I'm ever like bitter or in my feelings on TV <laughs> is when I'm seeing guys uh, open that box and they get to see the, yeah. they get to see the rings for the first time. Yeah. Uh, because I, I feel like I deserve that moment. You know, I feel like the football gods, they should have given me that. Like they, they, they select players every year from all walks of life. And at the end of their careers, they get to tell that story. I'm a Super Bowl champion. And I don't understand, like, you know, I, I had this, like, hang-up. Like, I've been playing football since I was eight years old. I gave everything to the sport in high school. I, I dominated in college. And then I got in the league. I played 11 years. It's much more yeah. than, like, the average. Like, how come I wasn't one of those guys? And, like, right. sometimes luck's involved. It's not always about the best team. You know, it, it, sometimes it's just about, you know, things working out, you know, for, for your benefit. And, and I always, like, was hung up on that until I realized – all right, Nate, you didn't get that trophy, but they hand out other trophies. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, tro- that trophy is, it, it's a man-made item, which means yeah. in that same factory, they're making Emmys and Oscars, and they're making awards from all walks of life for all different achievements. And once I realized that, I was like, damn, this is a man-made item. Like, yeah, yeah. I didn't win it, but they're making new trophies every day. 
It's like, go, go win a Super Bowl and something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and my plan wasn't to win an Emmy, like at all. Didn't even <laughs> think about it at all. I won a regional one when I was working with the Lions. We did a, a, a weekly show mm-hmm. and I, I won one and I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I still have it in my media room. And then you fast forward so many years later, I win, uh, you know, the, the Emmy for the Nickelodeon coverage. And then that was also, dope, by the way. That was, that was I, fire. I, I wasn't sure how it was going to look. Yeah. I wasn't sure how it was going to come together. Both. You and me both. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was crazy to be part of that collective and, and you know, all of us kind of sharing in the success of that moment. Um, but, uh, you know, the the individual you know, yeah. sportscaster of the year right. I was shocked. Like I was behind the scenes with like Kirk Herbstreet and 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 Harold Reynolds and uh, who else? Jay, Jay Billis. And I think uh, <laughs> Kenny Smith was supposed to be there, but the NBA was going on. I'm forgetting a couple of other guys. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, as I'm in this like virtual green room, mm-hmm. I'm just like, hey, good luck, guys. You know, just to be honest, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here in this moment with you guys. Um, and and then like after I said that and I kind of took a breath and we were waiting for the announcement, yeah. like in the back of my head, I was thinking, wait, it's not just it's not just OK to just be in the room <laughs> with these guys. Like, nah, bro, you deserve this. Like I was thinking it in my head, I was like, you deserve this. But at the same time, almost convincing myself that I wasn't going to win it because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I fell short in awards before. So I'm like, you know what? I I, I remember <laughs> in college, the Bolitnikoff Award goes to the best receiver. That's and right. I had 138 catches, 1,600 yards, I was, double digit TDs. I was, I feel like I was the best receiver in 2003. Like, and we had, a, that was the same draft classes. Uh, Charles Rogers, who passed away, Andre Johnson, Anquan Bolden, um, this guy Sean McDonald was up for the award. And I just thought, like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to lose this. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm the best route runner. My numbers are the craziest. I broke all kind of records. And at this time, I am second all time in NCAA history. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no way I'm going to lose this. And then they get up there and they show highlights of every guy and they show my highlights. They're like, Nate Bros, out of Nevada. And I, I don't even think they even showed me like scoring a touchdown. It's like I caught the ball and got tackled another time. Like no. I tried to stiff arm somebody. I went out of bounds. And no. I was like, I'm not going to win this. Like this, they're showing the bootleg highlight package. Like who sent them this? So you're like, like, who do I need to fire right now? Yeah, like, like, up? Up? And then they show like Charles Rogers highlights and Sean McDonald's and their highlights is nasty. It's like hurling over dudes, <laughs> scoring touchdowns. I was like, oh, I definitely, I'm definitely not winning this. So like, you know, you know, you're, you're you are just the result of, of a collection of moments. So like right before the Emmy, I'm like, damn, but I got I feel like I got robbed before. Mm. But you deserve this. You got. Th-. And then I'm sitting there and they called my name and I was shocked. I was like, whoa, this is wild. And then people started texting me and like they were like, you know, like this is the equivalent of winning like best actor, you know, at the Oscars or, mm-hmm. um, you know, the album of the year. If, right. if it's a, if it's the Grammys. And I'm it's like, a high honor. Wow. So it was it was a blessing. It really was. Yeah. But it um, and, I, and I said this in a post when I um, posted some pictures. It isn't to validate who I am because I try not to attach myself to trophies or awards because mm-hmm. uh, I once did as a ball player. That's what we do. Right. We play the game for money and acc- accolades. Um, but it's validation of the work that I put in because there's, there's a lot of work, I, you know, moving <laughs> to New York and, and working on a show three hours a day, five days a week, you know, 40 something weeks out of the year. 
uh, you know, sometimes we're working four hour shows. If we have breaking news, um, yeah. this is live TV. This isn't, hey, yo, I messed that up. Can we run that back? Like live, live TV. So we, we fell on our face, bumps and bruises, trials and tribulations while being on air, uh, learning how to get better at reading the teleprompter, writing scripts, um, producing segments. And then, you know, coupling that with um, being a voice for DraftKings, working for Extra, working on NFL Today, um, and then doing a podcast for Uninterrupted. Like, you know, when in that moment where I had to tell myself you deserve it, I had to think about that. So the Emmy is it's it's not a validation of who I am. It's just validation of the work put in, which I think is a bigger example to individuals out there that want to do something. You might not get recognized right away, but if Mm -hmm. you just put your head down and work. Like one day you'll pick your head up and there'll be people clapping for you, which is uh, where I'm at right now. One of the biggest lessons that I was told was I've mentioned on this podcast before. Every overnight success was 10 years in the making. And sometimes you got to work so hard to the point where they just can't deny it anymore. That's a fact. You know, you can be ignored for a certain amount of time. But when you put in the work, when you put in the hours, when you put in the time that you think no one's paying attention, someone's always watching you. That's a fact. Someone's always watching. I mean, That's it's just fact. especially now with social media, there's so much access to things that you think that someone doesn't pay attention to how you move or what you do. And the thing is, somebody will bring stuff up from years ago. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> and and I, listen, when I first got to New York, um, one, I didn't want to take the job. I was comfortable in life. I was living in Arizona, flying from Scottsdale to L.A., you know, they put me up in a nice hotel. I work a couple of days a week at the NFL Network. It's yeah. L.A., so it's always warm, always something to do. It's always lit, always a party, always a good restaurant <laughs> to go to. Like, life was good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Family dynamic yeah. is straight. Like, the kids were like, oh, dad's home a few days a week. Like, life is solid. Yeah. And then they were like, hey, we want you to consider this job opportunity in New York. Mm-hmm. It's called Good Morning Football. It's a morning show. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Because, like, one, it's New York. And then, yeah. two, like... You guys have done the morning show thing, and I, I hear morning shows are like opening a restaurant. They Yo. they they rarely succeed. Um, do you remember? So, do you remember our track record? It was yes, like NFL yes. AM. Yeah, like, yeah. They used to film them at like three in the morning. You know, I just did an episode where I talked about how I started my career in Fun Network, working on the ticker, and I would literally see. I would work the overnight shift, and I would see this talent come in three o'clock in the morning, two a.m. Yeah. Just dragging like dragging. I'm about dragging. to do this show. Yeah. And, and try to be all yeah perky. And what you guys yeah. have done at Good Morning Football has yeah. exceeded all expectations. No right doubt now. about it. And, and I remember doing, when I was playing, I would go and do stints at the NFL Network, which is why I think the relationship blossomed because I established mm-hmm. so many relationships. Uh, but I, I remember while I was playing, spending like a week down there, and they were like, all right, so we already have t- some people for total access. So do you want to do NFL AM? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. It's cool. And uh <laughs> I would show up at like 145. Yeah. We would get makeup on at like two something. And, you know, we're, we're headed to the yeah. set at three, live at four. And um, and I remember like day one, high energy, just kind of yeah. adrenaline. Day two, I'm still kind of doing it. But at night, I'm still hanging out, going to dinner. Like I'm yeah. kicking it. I'm like going out of dinner at like <laughs> 9, 10, trying to get an hour nap and then showing up to the set. And I remember about the fourth day, like... My, I went to reach for my coffee and my hand was like shaking. And I was like, yo, this schedule is a beast. Um, I don't see how guys do it. Guys and girls do, did it. So when they offered me the job to do Good Morning Football, I was like, not for all of those reasons. But plus, like, I don't like yeah, waking like up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, I hate the mornings. I think the mornings should be abolished. Like, 
I'm not a morning person. Say yeah, a so, lot of, yeah, say a lot of the people that's in the fact. back. That's a fact. So <laughs> I'm like, nah, I'm not going to go up there. I got to wake up at five in the morning for what? Like I'm done with football. Why do I got to wake up this early? So I kept, I kept saying no, kept saying no. And then finally they convinced me. And I, this is, this is how crazy it was. This is how I accepted the job. I was saying, no, no, no. I was literally avoiding the execs when I was at the NFL Network. They'd be like, hey, Nate, can you stop by our office? We want to talk to you. I was like, nah, I got a fight to catch. They were saying, hit it with the release move. And, um, and I remember like talking with my wife and my mom. We were uh, talking in the kitchen and we were talking about the job offer, just casually, very cavalier. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. It's just ridiculous. Like I, I, moving out there, we got to move the family. Like I'm not really a huge fan of New York. And I just... I don't, I don't think it's that serious. You know, I, I don't want to be a host right now. I get it that it's a special opportunity, um, you know, and I definitely don't want to be an analyst forever, but I just don't think I can do it because I just be too uncomfortable. And I left and went upstairs. I'm in the bathroom. I'm washing my hands. I'm looking <laughs> in the mirror. Right. And I'm like, and, th- and I used to tell my kids, and I still do tell them, like, you got to find some peace in being uncomfortable. You got to be comfortable mm-hmm. and, and find it in discomfort. And, uh, and, and that's really how you find your breakthroughs in life. And I would tell that to kids at juveniles and schools when I speak. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the things I really do believe in. Yeah. And I was looking in the mirror and I'm just like, bro, you're a liar. Like, you're a liar. <laughs> you're sitting there telling your kids, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you don't want to move to New York because it's New York and the people don't talk to you on the street. Oh, it's it, because <laughs> it's, it's 5 a.m. and you don't want to wake up in the morning. Like, you, you yeah. do you want to be a host? Do you want to level up in your career? Well, then you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to take a leap. Um, and, and there's going to be a huge unknown about how this is going to turn out. But you got to take this job. And I'm just literally talking to myself I'm like, damn, I want to take this job. And the reflection is like, Nate, you got to take this job. <laughs> At the very least, you got to take it just to prove that you're willing to take a risk with your mm-hmm. career because the reward is so much bigger. I walk downstairs. I look at my wife and I'm like, yo, I'm about to take this job in New York. And she's like, what? <laughs> I was like, I just was talking, I was like, I was talking to myself in the bathroom and like, I got to take it. I have to take Mm -hmm. it. And she's like, I don't understand where this is coming from. They haven't even offered you any money. Like they haven't, they haven't even even told you any details. We just bought a home in Arizona. Like everything is good. We're comfortable. What are you talking about right now? I was like, yo, I got to take this job. And that's how I convinced myself to take this job, at least good morning football. And then from there, you know, it was written all of these opportunities. Once I like Got a rhythm in New York, and it took it took some some hard times. Like I lost my entire beard because I was tired every day. Yeah. I didn't I, I couldn't balance waking up. It took me forever to get used to the time difference. Um, like literally, booty bald, <laughs> naked, like baby booty. And I was like, I went to the dermatologist, and she's like, "You have like uh, alopecia in your family?" I'm like, "No." She's like, "Well, what's going on? Like, what's different in your life?" I'm like, yeah. "Uh." I, uh, I was like, I, I moved from Seattle. I mean, I moved from Arizona and I used to live in Seattle. And so this is kind of a change. And, uh, you know, I have a new job. She's like, OK, well, what's your new job? I'm like, I wake up early in the morning and um, yeah. it's, it's a TV job. It's kind of <laughs> stressful. But, uh, you know, I, I want to be really good at it. And she was like, oh, that's that's it. You're stressed about your job. You're you're losing hair due to stress. Your body you're all responding. stressed does this? Yeah, what? and I'm like, what? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. I used to play football and like these these 250 pound dudes used to try to like snap me in half. So <laughs> she was like, yeah, she was like, no, no, no. By the way you talk about football, yeah. you loved it. So it wasn't stressful to you. But this, when you're describing your job, 
you're stressed out about this job because you want to be really good at it. It literally turned into a therapy session. And, <laughs> and like I walked away and like I got like injections and steroid shots in my face. And, and, and I walked away and I was like, uh, I got to figure out a way to balance my energy because mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with trying to be good on TV, this move to New York. Like, what the hell am I doing? Um, but it's, it's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, you know, every everybody's success isn't what you see in real time. It's mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened behind closed doors. So um, I've been grinding. I've been grinding out here in New York for like five years, going on six, quietly, yeah. just cooking. And uh, and now, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit of the recognition I deserve. So I feel like your Birdman, you know, shake was like, that's what you're doing in the mirror. <laughs> it's like you know Birdman in the mirror, like, yeah. all right. And my reflection this. was like, is we finished or is we done? I was like, all right, you're right. Let's do this. New York it is. is, You know, that transition to New York and you making all those moves, like you said, it's not just you. It's like you're making that move where you're bringing your family along. Right. You mentioned earlier in the podcast that you were wondering why the football gods didn't choose you to win a Super Bowl, right? Right. Clearly you were chosen to do this because I have yet to meet someone that was had the luxury of dodging execs who were trying to offer him a TV job. They're just like, nope, stick to the You know what I'm saying? So... Did you ever get a moment to really kind of reflect and be like, wow, I was really I was really trying to block my own blessing at this time? Yeah, no, nah, that's a fact. I, I really was. I, I didn't want to um, have such a, a big change in my life at that point because I was blessed enough to make the money I made in the NFL. I invested my money wisely. So after I retired, I didn't have to work. You know, I could have stood at home and uh, and drove my family crazy, which isn't me. My personality isn't that. Um, yeah. I could have went into coaching, but I didn't want to do it because the hours are too crazy. Um, and, and quite frankly, it's just a stressful job and there isn't that much it stability is. in it. Um, and and I just thought, all right, I don't, I don't want to shake things up. But like once I actually just gave myself to the opportunity, then it seemed like everything started to open up, like everything. And now like mm-hmm. I have zero fear of of like changing anything yeah. and adapting. And it was funny because my mom used to say when I was younger, she was like, out of the four boys, my mom and dad had four boys. And she would say, you're the one that can adapt the most. I'm like uh, adaptable Nate, like no matter what we're doing, you're ready to <laughs> rock. And so many years later, I've done that. And more importantly, I think there's a deeper lesson that my kids see like what it means to commit to something um, and then see it through and then see what, results come from that, um, which is good. And, you know, they've, they've been riding too, man. They've been jumping from school <laughs> system to school system and, and they're finally settled. And I had, a, I had an opportunity to, uh, to move back to LA like a year ago, mm-hmm. a significant offer to go back to LA. And I went to my kids. It was like an after school special moment. I got the family <laughs> around and I'm like, yo, so this is what's going on. I got an offer. It's a football contract, basically. It's mm. it's this many years, double digit millions, but we got to move, like, and we got to move like soon. Mm. Uh, and they're like, "Well, w- what's going on?" I'm like, "It's a job offer, you know, and it's it's a pretty big level up in my career." Yeah. Uh, my wife was like, "Look, you know how it goes with me. I don't want to move, but if we got to do it, we got to do it." I'm with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, we my, do it. Uh, we doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna do it. You know what I mean? Uh, and shout out to my wife. She's a track mm. star in college. Graduated with her master's. She's been riding, riding uh, this this journey of my career in the NFL every single moment. And yeah. when I met her, she was big stuff on campus, had more money than me, 
and, and had a license. So there was nothing about me that was special um, other than the fact that I just thought she was one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. So uh, but but my son, my older son, Nate, he's kind of thinking like, oh, you know, L.A.'s Calabasas. You go, Calabasas that? I'm like, yeah, I guess. He's like, yeah, OK, Calabasas. I think Drake out there. You know what I mean? Those cute little girls. I mean, got some good AU teams. Woo, okay, all right, all right. He's you know like, what's this is good I, for me. This is yeah, good. Yeah, he's like, this not, might not be a bad idea. He's like, this, this, when my son says, yeah, but he says, I'm not really tripping either way. That means yes. <laughs> my daughter, she's like, you know, do we, do we have, a, are we going to get a pool there? Because as long as we got a pool, we're good. And I'm like, yeah, That's yeah, right. sure, we'll get a pool. Yeah. My middle son, he's like the one that like thinks things through, you know what I'm saying? He's the philosopher kinda, of the group. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. like, uh, he's like, so, how many years is the contract? I'm like, the smell. He's like, how much are they paying? I was like, here's the numbers. <laughs> he's he's, he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, what are they asking you to do? And how, how much time would you miss when it comes to like our events and all that? Mm-hmm. So I'm a very active father. Mm-hmm. So I I'm see. at practices I and see. games and coaching. You know what I'm saying? I have I'm, nothing but respect for fathers that that do that for their kids and basically drive their lives crazy to yeah. make sure they don't miss a moment of that. That's, a that's fact. important. That's a that's fact. Important. That's a real big to me, man. And um, yeah. so he was like, Cause I was like, look, I'm, I was like, you know, with the new schedule, I'm going to miss practices. I'm going to miss some games, but I'll try to make it after halftime. And it's going to be a little bit different. Yeah. And he was like, he, he stopped, took another <laughs> bite of his food. He looked up at me. He was like, ain't even worth it, dad. And I was like, <laughs> I say less. I made the call, said I'm not going anywhere. So like, that's like, you know, that's, that's how I, I navigate my life now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's a group decision. I made enough like individual decisions and I got to a place now where like I can, there's more power in saying no. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I don't have to, t- it's a blessing. Don't get it. It's yeah. a first world problems, but yeah. you know, I put the, I put the work in. Like when I first got to the network, I was doing everything in studio, out studio, podcast, digital. I was doing the, the, the late game, the early game. I was going to halftime, doing halftime reports, tailgating experiences. I was doing <laughs> short hits, big hits, everything, everything. I did it yeah. all. There wasn't a job at the NFL Network that was offered that I didn't do. And, and that was simply to prove. You and you were under that mantra, if you're playing, they ain't paying. It's a I, fact. <laughs> That's a fact. So they was like, yo, if you playing, or even if you think about going back and playing, Nate, we're not going to pay you. <laughs> I, was like, I, I was like, I ain't going nowhere. So speaking of how important your family is, mental health has been an important conversation that's been being had across all sports, Olympics, NBA, NFL, MLB, all that stuff. Yeah. You touched on it with the fact that you are a family man. You credit your beautiful wife for being with you ev- through everything. And when yeah. I say everything, it's everything. Because how yeah. do you manage so many businesses, clothing lines, your branding with, with K Jewelers, you got ice yeah. in your teeth, you're you know <laughs> doing stuff on TikTok, you're yeah. hosting, you got, you got shoe collections, you're doing amazing yeah. podcasts like Sportsish. I mean, where do you find the time yeah. To balance out your mental, to be a great father, to be a great man of your word, and to still be adaptable, Nate. Oh, um, like I said, when I first got to New York and I uh, lost hair in my beard and the top of my head, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out why I was so stressed out, it's truly because I was working too much. Because yeah. um, it wasn't just good morning football. I was saying yes to everything, you know, if a uh, 
network came in and they were like, hey, we need you to do an interview or we want to pay you for a, a weekly raid or we want you to come in every Tuesday during the season and You're do taking some hits. It. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought like, oh, it's New York. You know what I mean? This is the hamster wheel. Like, you what know, do they say? You make it in New York, you make it anywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's the city never sleeps. You got to go out and got to get it. You got to hustle. Exactly. You got to grind. And then the moment I realized I should focus more on plugging my energy into like my family was the moment my facial hair started to grow back in the, in the bald spot I had on top of my head started to grow back. I, I started turning down jobs and not just jumping at every opportunity and saying yes to everything. And I would come home, spend more time at the crib, spend more time self-reflecting. My brother was like, let's do some meditation. Mm. Like, and, and I started to be a little bit more introspective because it's a different approach when you're um, playing football versus when you're not. When I played, it was show up, show out, go to sleep, repeat. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's not much time to like, not much time you get to yourself. I think now guys are yeah. a little bit more focused. Now yeah. guys are a little bit more aware about mental health and understand that health as well. But when I played, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. So I don't talk I, about it, be about it. Exactly. Much. And, and yeah. I had to realize that it's not like that in the, the real world. And, uh, and, and that's where I am now. Like I, I spend majority of my downtime with my family. I'm doing something with them. I'm at some event. <laughs> And, uh, you know, but more importantly, I want them to know, like, in the midst of the hustle and, and going and getting it and making money that the dad was there. Like, there's moments where you can look up in the stands and be like, yo, my pops was there. And my yeah. sons, like Nate and Nehemiah, they've had some significant injuries and I was there for every one. So I can't really imagine, like, not being there, not being there when my son, yeah. like, broke his ankle or Nate broke his arm. Like, be able to look them in their eyes and tell them everything's going to be OK, like. I wouldn't trade that for a check. Like, not at all. Mm. Say less, Nate. Say That's less. <laughs> so you've talked about your investments. You've talked about the fact that you spent your money wisely. But yeah. I have, I do have to ask, what yeah. was the most outrageous purchase you ever made? Oh, well, listen, right out the gate. Um, I didn't say I spent my money wisely. I just say I learned to spend my money wisely. <laughs> it took me a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, listen, I didn't grow up dead broke. But we weren't mm -hmm. balling, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. middle class <laughs> struggles, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like bills be a little late sometimes. Mm -hmm. You know, we eat top ramen for two weeks, mm -hmm. maybe the heat go out a day or two. So like I'm on the dad was water. You feel me? <laughs> Got the syrup sandwich, just syrup. <laughs> Used to slap. Um, Yo, I like, used to do bread, butter, and cinnamon and sugar. Ooh, fire, fire, fire combo. That is the broke bread combo. <laughs> I'm with that. We used to do all that. Four boys in the house. Of course, like there were times when my mom and dad were struggling. Yeah. But we never knew. Um, the, and the reason I bring that up is because when I got money, I was the first one with money in my family. Like money like I'm making. So yeah. I'm taking care of everybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm traveling. I'm turning up. Um, so initially, I bought the, <laughs> the, the athlete starter kit, which this was the third round starter kit. I got okay. me my Escalade, put some mm -hmm. rims on it. Mm -hmm. I put like some TVs in it because this is 2003. You know, everybody was doing it. <laughs> um, I went I went and uh, bought a fake Rolex and a fake chain and some Ooh. fake Cuban Ciconian earrings. Wow. And that was like my that was like my athlete starter package. <laughs> and then when I got to my second contract, I was like, all right, let me go ahead and like take care of myself, take care of myself. Yeah. Then I went and bought like Big ass watch, just too many diamonds, eighty five thousand dollars. I'm like, what am I doing? Because I never wore it. It was like more of a showpiece when like people yeah. came over versus like you know what I'm saying something, something that, that actually, actually brought you wore. joy. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and I, I made a few of those mistakes. Whether it was a, mm -hmm. a fancy car that I didn't really drive, um, or a car that I just I, I 
I, I did too much with, with the rims and the exterior. And I had to learn like, why do I buy things? Now I was blessed because I was able to make a third contract. Um, so mm -hmm. I could, I could make some mistakes financially. I yeah. made some mistakes with an investment. I got burned one time on a deal for a quarter of a million dollars, along with like a bunch of other investors that invested way more money in this product that we all thought was revolutionary. But the guy who was running the product drove it into the ground. I had Ooh. to sue just like everybody else to get my money back, which I yeah. did. But it's like losing money on stupid things you buy and losing money on stupid things you invest in um, really put me in a position right now where I understand what my money is doing for me and mm -hmm. what I want to spend it on. Like things that are important to me now, I want to travel. I already understand my investments. I understand the market. I understand bonds, insurance policies. I get it. I'm a little bit more um, financially literate, um, you know, financially literate than I was coming in, uh, yeah. which I feel like is very important. Mm -hmm. So starting clothing lines, being a restaurateur That's and right. investing in different products um, and brands and seeing like the fruits of those labors. Now I'm like, all right, cool. I understand investments. Now, what do I want to do when I have excess money? Because I give myself a little bit to spend, right? You know, when little you- Little mad money, little mad yeah, money. Yeah, 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 a little, little mailbox <laughs> money as we call it. Now I know like, all right, what do I want to do? Do I want to get a watch that I am going to invest in that is going to make me money as soon as I buy it that I can sell for twice as much in the open market um, or a watch or a piece of jewelry that I can hand down to my kids? Or do I say, you know what? I don't want no material thing this year. I don't want to, I don't want no item. Maybe I want to uh, purchase a home or a timeshare somewhere, or a mm. condo somewhere that I can use an Airbnb. It. Or you know what? Maybe I just want to travel. Maybe this year I'm going to dedicate some money just for my family and I to experience something we've never experienced. A different culture, different food, different location geographically. Um, so, you know, I have a plan now, which I didn't have one when I first came in. And now having a plan, at least I know like the money, the play money that I have to make myself smile and then the rest of the money I'm going to invest. So them shoes behind you, uh, the, for the people watching the, right here yeah. in the podcast, they don't yeah. see the mountain of shoes. Based yeah. on that smile on your face, that's yeah, what we enjoy now. <laughs> a little bit, but these are these are like these are like old shoes, though. Like you know, what I'm saying they're um, in clear boxes, people. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the wife. She she uh she set this up. It was supposed to be like a wine cellar, and she was like, "Nah, like we don't need no wine like that." You know, how what many saying? how many pairs of shoes do you have? I would say about three hundred. That's like that's light compared to like what I used to have. I used to have like one for every day of the. Every day of the year? Almost, almost basically. <laughs> I used to I used to have like I used to have like five hundred and then I realized I was never wearing them. Um uh, but now I because my sons are seventeen and fifteen, they could pop down here, throw them on, wear them to uh, school. True. You know what I'm saying? As long as they don't like go play kickball or twin touching them in the grass. <laughs> You're like don't but, be um, reckless now. Yeah. It's 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 one of my like casual passions. I'm not one of those guys like Oh, there's the new drop of the uh, Air Jordan 2020s. Uh, nah, Travis like, nah. Scott mixture. Yeah, the Dr. Nah. Travis Scott's with the Ubop, <laughs> Scoobop, and the Bebop. Those is going for thirty thousand. Nah, I'm good. I'm not doing that. I'm just. I just. I wear regular kicks, and most of the time, I have on Vans, Birkenstocks, or old school Reeboks. Like the the cheapest shoes I got, I wear the most. The, 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 <laughs> all the rest of them, I'll just bring out every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? They're all they're all shoes from like moments in my life that I love. That's that's why I collect shoes. Uh, okay, so then what's the what? Who's the queen? The holy grail of yeah of your shoe collection. Uh, it's, it's, it's the it's the Jordan patent leather uh, Concord Jordan. Yeah, the white and black tuxedo joints. Like 
it's there's no better shoe than that. It's just this, it's the <laughs> it's the best shoe I've ever seen, ever felt, ever put on. You can wear it with a tux and you can go hoop in them. Like what kind of shoe has that versatility? That's crazy. Hey, what That's moment? Crazy. What, what moment do you think of when you put on those shoes? I remember being in high school and wearing some old school patent leather like loafers because that was my <laughs> outfit for a, a dance. I had on the suit with the loafers. And I thought I was dope. And then one of my homeboys who was like. He might have been into some little, some little, some little street, uh, street hustling, uh, to say <laughs> at the least, in high school. So he had some extra cash on him. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? He was doing some hand-to-hand transactions, but he always had a nice watch and nice, nice chain. Yeah. And then he came through with the tux, the white tux, with the patent leather J's on, and I said, "Damn, Ooh. like he too fresh." And then. <laughs> Like a week later, he was on a hoop court with the with the uh, Chicago <laughs> shorts on with the same shoe. I said, what is going on? I said, man, that shoe right there, that shoe's fresh. <laughs> that's honestly, that should go, that should make it into your football life. Because I'm waiting for that to come out. I'm waiting for the football <laughs> life to come out because that's going to, I think, show. I don't think an hour is enough. You need to be like Bill Belichick. You need to have like three or four <laughs> <laughs> streaming on. But a little birdie told me that you were looking potentially into your next step going into acting. And I know that you had a short film that came out, spoken word straight from the heart. You put it on your Instagram account. What yeah. is the passion there? And you already won an Emmy as the Oscar yeah. next. Is that what's going um, on the mantle? Yeah, like along 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 with your Grammy, may I may I bring fact, this that's back? A yeah, along it's a with fact, your Grammy 2022, y'all. Just remember I'm trying to get that. all I'm trying to do like John Legend and get the EGOT, right? The, the Emmy, the Grammy, the Oscar, and the Tony. That's what the I'm trying Tony, to do. Tony, Tony. Um, you know, uh I uh <laughs> I remember when I was younger, I used to do like, you know, modeling on a very small scale. And then I, I landed this role as uh, this kid named Marcus. It was like an after school special movie. And um, it's basically about like drugs and teen pregnancy. And it was just like <laughs> seven or eight kids in a classroom. And I had a few lines. Um, you know, I, I remember uh, this was like sixth grade, seventh grade. And one of the lines was, um, I like raised my hand and I was like, it's still hard for me to see a guy turn down sex. See, it's like smoking or drinking. The guy, he may not want to do it, but all of his friends are telling me he needs to. So he's going to do it anyway because he thinks it's cool. And, I, and then that was like one of my lines. So like, for some reason, I, <laughs> I love you remember that. Too. I know. Still to this day. This is, this is over 25 <laughs> years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, I I loved I loved doing that because I loved uh, reading a script and then mm-hmm. diving into a character of somebody that wasn't myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been getting scripts for like the last three years. And I've been putting them aside because, yeah. like I said, even though I want to conquer each jungle and each space that I'm in, I don't want to do too much in the moment. Just like I learned my lesson my first year here in New York. I don't want to exhaust myself trying to yeah. spread myself then. So now that I've kind of established myself in this space, yeah. like those scripts that I, I was throwing away, I'm reading them now and sending in audition tapes. So uh, I, I do feel like that's the next evolution of Nate Burleson. And it's not necessarily because I think I'm the next Denzel. I just think this would be the most challenging thing in my life right now because acting, even though I enjoy it, I love it. I'm a big movie buff. Um, it, it it won't come easy to me. It shouldn't come easy to anybody because I respect the craft so much. Right. So it, it will be a challenge. And right now I'm up for the challenge. You're definitely up for that challenge. And I think that I'm a big person about manifesting. So for me, it's like, I can, I can see a movie soundtrack duo, you, you know, me? in a birth. You feel me? You feel me? <laughs> That's a fact. I just feel like that should be the next step. So before we get out of here, I know that the NFL throwbacks 
showed some highlights of you. You gave them some love on Twitter. Yeah. You did the. I, I have to say, did the toe drag swag segment was that named after you? Because you had some, you had some nice ones back in the day. I will say, but what's the best one you've ever seen? See, see, people, people think they think. I just created it while I was on TV. No, 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 no. Like, I used to do it on the field. I was nice <laughs> I with the toe drag. Okay. You feel me? I, I did my and research. I, I just, seen it. Yeah. I seen it. And, and I hashtagged it one time, and I put it on social media. Everybody loved it. Yeah. I was like, oh, let me go ahead and trademark this, because I'm a businessman, and start selling the shirts. And from there, it just kind of took off, and had a life man. of its own. Exactly. <laughs> Shout out to Jay-Z. Um, I would say, like, the best toe drag, Chris Carter was the illest at it. Like, he would mm. do it one-handed on the sideline. It was Big crazy. Bags. Julio Jones had one in a Super Bowl, the one that they actually lost um, that was on the sideline. It's like the catch that never was because they ended mm-hmm. up losing that game. Um, so uh, that was crazy. But Tyler Lockett in Seattle, I think right now in today's game, he's like the king because it seems like every other week he's catching some crazy toe drag in the back of the end zone from uh, <laughs> Russell Wilson. That's, that's a big fact. So who's the best cornerback you ever went against? Charles Woodson. No doubt about it. That's it's great. Charles Woodson and then Champ Bailey. You know, you can go back Champ. and forth between the two. Champ was a beast. You know, he was tall. Yeah. He, he was standing in front of you. And you you would think it's like another receiver standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and he, he just get his hands on you. And he was so fast and athletic that even if you had him beat, he could still run with you. Yeah. Charles Woodson was so versatile. I mean, he could, at the end of his career, he was playing cornerback, safety, linebacker. He even lined up on the line of scrimmage. Uh, but the thing that made Charles Woodson so dangerous is when the ball was in the air, it was his. Yeah. It wasn't like a lot of DBs you go up against, you know that they can't catch the ball. Like they got hands like feet. So it's like even if he got to the ball first, he's going to bat it down. Yeah. Charles Woodson, if that you ball is in the them. air, man, mm-hmm. he turns into a receiver. Now it's two receivers fighting for the ball. Well, you know what they would say about cornerbacks are just receivers that can't catch. That's, that's a fact. That's, <laughs> that's a number fact. one. That's and number fact. two, I was happy when Woodson finally – I mean, look, I'm a Broncos fan, but I was I was happy for him when he picked out Peyton Manning because yeah, he was yeah. – he was searching for that. You ain't lying. You he ain't lying searching. about that. He was. He smelled blood in the water, and he was you like, I'm, "I'm gonna lying. get this." this is my he was last all game in over Oakland. it. That's a fact. That is a fact. That's <laughs> like I just feel like those moments in football just tell such a good story, and I think like Champ Bailey, as great as he is, I was I was really sad he didn't get a Super Bowl. You know, I yeah. wanted I wanted that yeah. so badly. That for validation. Him. But, for but his you know career. what? You talked about how you said that that was kind of your regret. But for me, I just feel like it makes you bigger than life when you still are highly respected, even though you don't get that. Some guys are only respected yeah. because they get that, it's a good that, point. that notch. You know? That's a good point. That's a good but point. But you know what? I feel like your name resonates along with a lot of other legends who never got there. And it doesn't take mm. away from the glorious of what, what was their career. I appreciate so that. That. That, that's, that. That's just, that's just how, I, how I take that. But I appreciate we do, that. We do close out. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about either our favorite quotes or the best advice that you ever received. Now, before I get your knowledge on that, mm-hmm. everyone has a rookie mistake that you had in the NFL. What was your rookie mistake in media? Oh, uh, rookie mistake. I would say, uh, mm, that's a good question. <laughs> I had to end strong. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I, I would say my, my rookie mistake. Um, <clears throat> My rookie mistake was thinking that like every person in the media was your friend. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just thought they were all there to build you up, not tear you down because I didn't really experience too much criticism in college because one, we were in Reno, um, yeah. didn't have heavy coverage nationally, but two, like individually, I, I was putting up numbers. So people didn't really take too many shots at me, took some shots at the team, but they didn't really take shots at me. So I didn't 
I didn't feel that like that that true like fire that can come from the media until I got in the league. And I remember us beating Green Bay in the playoffs. It was when Randy Moss did a little moon by the a goalpost, um, and we smacked up Green Bay after losing to him twice in the season. Yeah. We we pulled them in the wild card, and Brett Favre was out there trying to do his thing, and we just kicked their butt. And I remember afterwards, this guy, uh, this reporter, came over to Randy. He's like, "Hey, Randy, uh, great job, uh, awesome game today. Uh, you know, how's it feel?" And he's like, "You uh, your name is so and so, right?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." He's like. You work in uh, Minnesota, right? You cover the team. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. And he's like, I've been hearing everything you said about us. Ooh. He said, all year you've been dogging us. <laughs> he said, oh, what you think? We don't read what you say? And I hear everything that you said about me. Mm. He's like, don't ever, ever stick your microphone in front of my face. I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically that was what he said. And he, I was right next to him. My life was right next to him. <laughs> you were like, I'm like, I'm like, oh, snap. <laughs> and uh, And I remember like, the reporters, because they all crowd, crowd around. Yeah, like, yeah, starts. yeah. There's, there's like, no personal space yeah. in there. And in that moment, they all like, they all like just distance <laughs> himself from him. And he was just like standing there alone. And then he like grabbed his microphone and just kind of walked off. And I was like, I thought that was powerful, even though Randy mm-hmm. embarrassed the dude. And you could say whatever, how he handled that. It was right. so real to me because it's like some people, and I get it, that's their job. They will mm-hmm. dog you, dog you, dog you, dog you. And then turn around when everything's going well and try to put put that microphone in your face and let it parallel society. Yeah. People could be your biggest haters. Yeah. And as soon as like something happened good in your they life, they try to take a picture up. with you or something. What's up? Oh, exactly. man, I knew you could always do it. I've been grinding <laughs> with you the whole time. Man, I'm telling you, man, you're making us proud. It's like, damn, man, like you was the same one hating on me. So mm-hmm. I think that was my young mistake is knowing like there are really good reporters. And I think majority of them are. They do their, their job with integrity. And they're there to build you up and to be honest when they need to. But then there's other ones. They just they search for the salacious headline and they, yeah. they try to create it no matter how they get it. Hmm. And that's one thing I try to. That's why I like created this podcast for sports. Because for me, it was like, I don't want to be the story. I want to hear the story. And yeah, it's fact. not it's not my story to even tell. It's just that's the questions fact. I have to know about what's going on in your life and what's going on with you. And what's something that is a quote that you live by that's one of your favorite quotes that you can share with our listeners. I'll, I'll do you uh, I'll do you one solid on that and then uh, I'll up it, you know what I'm saying, for the future <laughs> guest, for the future guest of the gotcha. podcast. Gotcha. So my favorite quote, um, I heard it in, in uh, high school and it was, uh, if better is possible, then good isn't enough. Um, mm. So if better is possible, then good isn't enough. It's great in sports, of course, you know, if you're yeah. just, if you're doing good enough to get by, then that's fine. But if better is possible, then shoot for great, you know? And then I, I applied it to academics. And then as I got older, I applied it to relationships, being a husband, being a father. Like, you know, oftentimes good enough is good enough. But if there's like something inside you that you can pull out and be great at something, like I think that's the ultimate test of who we are is, is finding that greatness. All right. So the last thing I'll do, I'm, I'm going to give you one of my uh, spoken words that I wrote. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Yeah. So uh, this one is called uh, meant to Sports, be. Sports-ish exclusive. All yeah. right. So I'm Sports-ish exclusive. The best podcast out. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> so this is meant to be. Them long nights and early mornings. All that blood, sweat and tear pouring. Why you laid out snoring? Stay asleep. I don't want to hear repeat. Just know we came to kill the game so you could rest in peace. Now you see. 
You see everything I'm made of. See all that hate is motivation. Thank you for the favor. We gonna eat, cause game day means it's dinner time. No more 2020, but I almost see the finish line. So we compete, cause if we don't, then it's a wrap. I want it all in my hands like Thanos with the snap or more like Bane with his mask on. I'm only here to tear up your turf until the grass gone. Be a legend or be forgotten. There's a hall of fame that I know you deserve a spot, no other option. Moving solo or if I'm 50 deep, aim higher, there's no better time. Ain't no denying that this is meant to be. It's meant to be. Mm, you heard that here first on Sports and There it is, <laughs> Nate. I cannot thank you enough for dropping that for us. You know what? That's Check out for the album, 2022. That's a check fact. out That's for a fact. the future I'm going to need you on the ad-libs. I'm going to need you, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to need you to do the drops on the album. You know what I mean? I got you. I got right, you. Bet. Look, I'm going to be in the credits. You know I That's speak Spanish. Oh, I need that. I need I need that sauce on the on the I'm, album. You I'm know what I mean? I'm saying. cilantro en tu cosa. Hey, I'm just saying. Like, you got to. <laughs> I need that flavor all over a track. Exactly, exactly. I, I got I got a track that that might be perfect. I got a little joint. It's talking about my travels, you know what I'm saying? When I went to Costa Rica and all that. It's it's more of a a, a summer exotic vibe. So, you know, I <laughs> I might need you to sprinkle that track with some of your flavor. Nate, I got you. You're one of my favorites that I work with at NFL Network 100%. and I cannot As thank you, are. you enough for coming on Sports Shit, uh, Sports Asia. <laughs> 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 See, we're like we're just vibing. Nah, now. because this is the shit. Thank you. Thank you. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there it is, guys. Thank you everyone for listening to Sports Ish. I'm your host, Elisa Hernandez. You can follow Nate on all of his social media platforms at Nate Burleson. You can follow me on Twitter at eHernandezTV and on Instagram at Hernandez underscore LA. Again. Right. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for dropping that spoken word. And we're going to go out to my amazing outro music. So we're just going to get that ride. (laughs) Sportsish. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.